<laughs> yeah, I thought about wearing my cape this morning, but, you know, I checked with Lynn. I don't think it's been pressed, and uh, no, no, I don't have a cape, but it's good to be in the house of the Lord, and we're going to be talking about heroes this morning. I hope you're having a great, wonderful time at Mountain Fest. Have you been being festive and doing mountain stuff? Isn't that what this weekend's all about? Well, we, we had a group from this church uh, uh, and some, a couple other churches doing worship together last night at Centennial Plaza. Did a great job uh, bringing honor and glory to God through music and, and then just running around having all they have is just to eat. They just want you to eat. I, I, I got some uh, ghost pepper uh, sauce. Yeah, it's hot. It's really hot. Didn't start out hot. It got hot. And uh, the guy in front of me, he had a barometer apparently in his ears because he tried it and he was fine. And then he started sweating and his ears got really red. So we, we thought, we got to try that. So we, we tried it and uh, it, it, I don't know if it did the same thing, but it, it's hot. So it's good stuff though, but it's good to be together again, once again in the house of the Lord. I want to share with you just something that happened this week that uh, we've been kind of watching. If, you, if you're on uh, social medias that much and all that, in an article last week, uh, Marty Sampson from Hillsong wrote this. He said, I'm genuinely losing my faith. That's hard to imagine, is it not? Uh, but, I mean, we've seen that. We know it happens. But he, he's a Hillsong uh, music artist that uh, plays, uh, writes songs, wrote, written many songs. And uh, he says, I'm genuinely losing my faith. He says what, what bothered him, he said this. What bothered him, he went on to say, was nothing. <laughs> that, that, that nothing was bothering him, but he was so happy and at peace with his world right now. He said, it's crazy. And he wrote this. He said, Christianity is just not for me. Uh, Marty, 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 you know? And, and after a lot of stir online and many in the Christian online world, they began to criticize, you know, sometimes. Can you imagine that Christians would criticize one of their own? I, I can't. I, come on, you're stunned. I can tell. I'm looking at you you're just like, I can't believe that. But Christians, many, they begin to, to kind of criticize and and post all the kind of things wrong with him and with Hillsong. And, and, th and then he, in a follow-up post, Marty said this. He says, hey, <laughs> I haven't renounced my faith. He said but that his faith was on incredibly shaky ground. These are his words that he posted. It was either Twitter or one of those. And I began to read those posts that were coming in from all over. Some were really nice, like, oh, no, Marty, Marty, you can do it. You can make it. You Stick with God. You can handle it. You, you'll come through this. And others just began to take shots at Marty and Hillsong with the attitude like, see, I, I knew they were phony. It's really sad, the kind of commentary that follows, even from those who claim Jesus is Lord. Christians are sometimes the first to take their shots. I grew up under a system. They said, what did they say what we do with our wounded? We shoot them. <laughs> That's not a good commentary. That's a terrible commentary, is it not? Sometimes in the Christian realm, we, what do we do with our wounded? We, we shouldn't. But I grew up in kind of that system. I know there were some gasps like, oh, that, that's not that way these days. But in some ways, especially on social media, it really can be, and it is that way. There have been others that have made the I don't believe anymore statements and either left the faith or modified it to, to be more acceptable or relevant, uh, to be a little more in with whatever that in crowd is. There are also those that will they'll throw out all of their Hillsong CDs and they'll tear up the chord charts and refuse to do their music anymore. 
But might I remind us today that we do not worship the worship leaders. We do not or should not exalt those that lead us into the presence of God, that preach to us on Sunday or online or through their books or through their streaming services. We do not worship those that, that, that lead us into worship or services. We do not give anyone worship status in our lives other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. We exalt the one and the only Savior of the world. That's who we exalt. That's who we should be exalting. It is he alone that deserves and is worthy of our admiration, our adoration, and the authority that we allow him into our lives. Can I still sing songs that Marty has written? Absolutely. As long as they point me towards Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And we as followers should pray for him as he makes his way through the storm, as he considers what's real in his life and what's not that real. Might I read from the word this morning? It says in Matthew 13, 20 through 22, it says, The seed fallen on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they do not have root or they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And then in Matthew 24, 24, it says, For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up, perform great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. In Marty's case, I pray that he's just adrift searching for what is real with God and Him. And God help those that are catapulted into Christian stardom. The fall back down to spiritual reality can leave you sarcastic and fed up with the wide spectrum of Christ followers and the flavor of Christianity that appears they are selling. You see, in the last days, there will be those that will fall away or turn away or never take root or even deny their faith, but... The one, the only way that this will impact the followers of Christ is if we make other followers out to be more than they are. If we exalt them to a greater level or a place than they should hold in our lives, that'll be a problem for us. Don't get me wrong, we, there are sad occasions <laughs> when those who have been following turn away. We've maybe seen them in our own friends or lives or family lives, we maybe have seen this. This makes us all very sad, and we should, it should cause us to hit our knees, really, is what it should do. Pray, praying for those that are, that are wrestling with God, wrestling to find his truth and wrestling with their faith, not to criticize or devalue them, but to lift them up. We, don't, we, we do not negate the need for heroes. We truly need heroes in our lives. You ever had a hero in your life? Somebody that was really important to you that kind of pointed the right way for you and was a good model of what it meant to be a Christ follower? You all are being like, hey, I'm not sure. <laughs> Come on, you've had somebody like that in your life. 
We all have had and probably will continue to develop these kinds of spiritual heroes in our lives who speak God's truth to us or perhaps some great orator or teacher or preacher, those types that we just can't get enough of. I know who you listen to. I hear it sometimes. we got somebody in the kitchen all, every day listening to somebody on the radio. I know who that is. You just can't get enough of them. We need them especially when they continually and constantly point us towards the one true living God. That's what we need in our lives. Some would say, I don't need any of them. <laughs> I can do without any Christian celebrities in my life. Well, years ago, Tina Turner. <laughs> How am I going to fit Tina Turner into a message? Is that, is that what you're thinking? Well, years ago, Tina Turner, you remember her, don't you? That's the first service they were like, they remembered, but there may be some, I don't know. She, she, always, she, that, she always did that thing. I embarrassed my wife for service by doing that. But. In the movie Mad Max Thunderdome, she told us a song. She shared a song with us. It said this, looking for something we can rely on. There, there's got to be something better out there. Mm, love and compassion, their day is coming, she said. All else are castles built in the air. And I wonder when we are ever going to change, she asked, living under the fear till nothing else remains. All the children say, she said, we don't need another hero. We don't need to know the way home. All we want is life beyond the Thunderdome kind of shares a disappointment in the life that was being lived. Sometimes we might say, all I want is a life beyond whatever this life is. All we want is life beyond our own personal thunderdomes. You see, I would say, yes, we do need heroes. She said, we don't need any heroes. We do need heroes. We need heroes of the faith that point us to Jesus. We need heroes that lead us towards faith and not away from it. We need heroes. We need heroes. Our kids need heroes. Fact is, our kids and our grandkids, they will have heroes. It will happen. It's just yet to be seen who it is that will become their heroes. Some of us have already seen heroes that emerge that maybe were less than what we had hoped for. A reading from the Word of God this morning, I invite you to turn to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, verses 29, and it, it goes all the way through... 12.3, and I'll just leave you seated this morning, but Hebrews 12.29 uh, through 12.2, I believe it is, reading from God's Word, it just says this, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say, he says, for time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, and obtained promises shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, but foreign armies put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so they might obtain a better resurrection, and others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also changed in imprisonment. 
They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted, but they, they were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in the deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Then on to 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses that surround us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how powerful it is. It's strong. It's sharp. It pierces, Lord. It opens us to hear what you have to say to us. We pray that be the case this day. We thank you for these who come to share and partake of your word. Bless us as we hear from you this day, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we read from the Word of God today, there's a question that continually begs to be asked, and it's simply this, what possibly can faith do? In, in the day that we live, what can faith do? From our text, we can see that it can part, it can part a raging sea. And it can allow a nation to walk through it. It can knock down the walls of a fortified city so that God can prove a point. It can single out a woman who follows God's lead and protect her from certain death. In our day, many people who are into reality shows, I don't know, we won't ask you to raise your hand here, but those that are into reality TV shows, are, there's contestants that are put to extreme extremely difficult situations. They're tested. And many will watch them because we like to see others battle against the odds and come out victorious. Don't you like it when they win? Aren't you rooting for them when they spin the wheel and it lands on a big number? I mean, you're just like, yeah, 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 go. You want to see them win, come through victorious. When an underdog comes out on top, we gather a, a kind of a sense of hope that we too, we can defy the odds and win at the challenges that come our way. That gives us hope as we see others overcome their obstacles. The more improbable the success, the more excited we become as we watch someone triumph over the odds. It's apparent that the author of our text, he understands human nature. He gets it. He sees what, what people are like, and he, he shares with us. That's why he goes to such extremes to kind of point out how many have succeeded and done amazing things when they relied and put their faith in God. It's just not under their own power, but they, they relied on God. They put their faith and their trust in God, and they overcame great obstacles, great challenges in their lives, things that are really impossible in our text today, we have read the victories of the people of faith, the heroes of the faith, we might call them. The first few show the overwhelming power of God, uh, uh, stuff that you just can't, you can't make that happen. You can't do that on your own. Give it a shot. Go whittle out a staff. Go, go, go over to Bright Lake and just smack the lake. See what happens with it. it it's probably not going to split in two, you know. It's just it, it, on our own strength, it's not going to happen. The first few really show how powerful God is to do the impossible, and then the list continues on with men and 
women who managed to carry on despite great trials and tribulations in their own lives. The point is really just very simple as this. There's nothing that is impossible when you have faith. All of our faith heroes from our Bible, from the Word of God, they all had it. They all had it. They were just very imperfect people who believed. They believed. They believed. You might remember how Hebrews chapter 11 begins. There's a definition for faith. It says it this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. In other words, faith is believing in something even if you can't see it. Our challenge today is we, we need to see it to believe it. We love to live by faith. It's just that sometimes our faith is placed in things that aren't exactly of God. We might say, by faith, I'd like to have a motorhome. I claim that in the name of Jesus, my new motorhome. And maybe you're lucky if you get a 78 camper. You know, it just, that's not how it works. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Faith is not being able to see or perfectly understand what God is saying to us or speaking to us through his word and yet still believing. Some people, I, I want to know what that means. I, I want to know that it's true. I want to see how that works before I believe it. And, and there's times we're not going to understand what God's trying to tell us in his word. We should just believe it and receive it and then wait for God's revelation. There's a challenge with our modern-day Christian culture, heroes of the faith, the mega worship houses, the, 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 the individual preaching star that everyone wants to listen to or the latest edition in the most prolific book writing of our Christian authors that often we hold them to such spiritual hero status in our own spiritual lives that when they, these, these heroes of the faith question their own faith or they're struggling with their marriage or they have a son or a daughter that turns to a different lifestyle or are caught embezzled, we, we, as those who have come to respect the, and highly regard their contributions to our own spiritual lives, we're left to wrestle with what we have put our faith and trust into. The question today for each of us as we continue to follow God is what can faith do in your life and mine? What is it today that faith can do as we follow faithfully our God? And the answer today, it, it can is it can do, here's the answer for today, it can do today what it has always done by faith. Nothing's changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So what can faith do today? It can do everything that it's always done by faith. There's a man named Marvin Pipkin who believed that you really could frost a light bulb with some kind of solution that would reduce the glare. Everyone else laughed at the idea. For years, it was the running gag pulled on all the engineers who joined General Electric. And when Marvin came along, they all stopped laughing because he believed that it could be done. He believed that he could do it. And as a result, he managed to create a process to use an etching acid on the inside of the glass. And today, we are indebted to him for the non-glare soft white light bulb that we have. You see, faith is a powerful thing in its own right. And when faith is connected 
to the plans of God, it can't be stopped. It just can't be stopped when our faith plans that are connected to God, when we believe that, when we receive that and we believe it and it's of God, it can't be stopped. And that's exactly what the authors of Hebrews here is trying to tell us. You might be sitting here today thinking these verses just don't apply to me. You might be thinking that these these scriptures are more historical of a record than a statement of things that I can expect. And if we believe that, we should think again. Take a note of some things this morning. You see each of the miracles that are described in our text, they leave no doubt. They don't leave any iota of a doubt who is responsible for those miracles. We read about the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus 14, and the people, they were caught in the middle And the sea was on one side and the charging Egyptian army on the other side. And there was nowhere to go until Moses calls out on God to part the waters. And Moses, who is listed as one of our heroes of the faith, he shows us why he is on that list. He did as God commanded him to do without any hesitation. He lifts his staff in the air and with incredible the incredible happens when he does so. And immediately that Red Sea parts. The Exodus continues as the great caravan marches through on dry ground. And as Pharaoh's armies approach, chasing them down, we see the waters roll back and crush them underneath. The enemies are stopped in their tracks. The scriptures say, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. How is that possible? How can we believe You see, the faithless would say, well, the water must have been really shallow for the children of Israel to walk to the other side. And the faithful would conclude, well, if so, God's still big and powerful, and we can have faith in him since he was able to drown the entire Egyptian army in only two feet of water. That's how big God is. I don't believe it was two feet of water. I believe it was a great sea. And they're finding artifacts in the bottom of that sea these days that kind of prove that that actually happened. You see, when the time came and Moses stretched out his staff toward the sea, it took the faith of only one, one man. There were a bunch of naysayers behind him. They said, let's go back to Egypt. We had it better there in bondage. It only took one man. For a miracle to happen. Then there's the story of Jericho. The great walled city, it was an impenetrable, mighty fortress. It stood in the way of God's plan to hand over the promised land to his people. And the story is found in Joshua 6. God commands the people to march around the city seven times and to have the priests blow their horns. And on the seventh day, God tells the people to shout. And when they do, the walls immediately fall down and the city is shaken. How is that possible? What made it possible? For that to happen, the faithless would say that's not possible or that the marching combined with the blowing of horns hit just the right audible pitch and that the reverberation began a chain reaction that toppled the city. That's how the faithless might look at it. The faithful would say, well, Joshua didn't hesitate to follow God's lead. He simply believed and did what he was told and today he is lifted up as a by faith hero in our stories. These scriptures are filled with stories that point to the role of faith in turning the impossible situations all around. Remember little David? How can you forget David? He stood up to the giant 
with only a slingshot and a few small stones, and he did what the army was afraid to do. They wouldn't even come out and and face Goliath. And David came away as a winner. A prophet named Elijah risked embarrassment and certain death. He stood up to 50 false prophets and challenged them, and he came away justified. A man named Daniel would not deny his God. He wouldn't deny his God, and he faced being torn apart by lions. He entered the lion's den. He escaped. He escaped with not even a scratch. Little Bible stories, do we still believe those? Have we gotten too adult? No one would wish or desire for any of these challenges, but each time the person put their faith in God, they came out reflecting the almighty power of God and his faithfulness to those who trust in him. You see, powerful and amazing things happen when we have faith and pray and trust God to answer and to intercede. God still answers prayer, and God still intercedes in the lives of people. Aren't you thankful that he does? There are even those in our text that did not come away with the desired outcome, and they still gained approval for their faith. And they're in Verses 36 through 40, it says, And others experienced mockings and scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted and they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins and and being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. Men, it says, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And then in 39, it says, And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive yet what was promised. Today, so many want and need proof. I got to know that it's true. I can't believe it until I see it. Before they believe, they want something that makes sense to the human mind. And we're reading the wrong book if we need all this to make sense to our human minds. We can see it in the Word of God, and it requires faith for how it works, but at other times we rationalize what that must mean. can't possibly mean exactly what it says. That would be impossible in my mind or impossible based on science, and yet God is the creator of all things. Yes, he even created science. (laughs) But isn't that the point? What is impossible for us is not impossible for God. One of my favorite Bible stories is In Daniel 3, it it says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're all ordered to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they won't do it. So the king sends for them, and he tells them, he says in Daniel 3, 15, now if you're ready, (laughs) now if you're ready, you weren't before, but now that you're before the king, now if you're ready... At the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And, the God, and what God, he asked this question. The king asked, and what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? That sounds like a throwdown, does it not? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace 
from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But, this is the part I love. But if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Whether God saves me or lets me fry. We're going down with God. We will not serve your golden image. We will not bow down before you. Now that's faith. That's faith. That's the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Our biblical heroes of old, through their faith, earned a good reputation, it says in Hebrews. They are our heroes of the faith. What about us? What about us as a people of God? Who are we being a hero to? Our neighbors? Our coworkers? Our friends? Our children? And what is needed in the day that we live to earn the great reputation of old? You see, we're surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses, and they are cheering us on to do what is needed to become or to continue in the long line of by-faith heroes. They're cheering us on towards that. Whose hero are you today? Who's watching your life, seeing the hand of God move in ways that don't make scientific or rational sense? This morning, very quickly, I just want to give you three things that might guide us to following in the footsteps of the heroes of the faith and becoming the kind of heroes of faith that others will see and put their hope and faith in God because of what they've seen in us. Our writer, having given us the evidence of those who have shown down through the ages, have shown themselves faithful, worthy to be noticed in the very written word of God, our writer then turns and he says, therefore, therefore, this is different therefore than some of the other ones that we look at. There's only two of these in God's word. There's one here and then there's one in 1 Thessalonians 4.8. He's been telling us all about the by-faith heroes and then he turns to his readers as if to say, well then, well then, therefore, well then. He somewhat points to those who come after and he uses the first person plural pronoun and he says, seeing that we are uh, compassed or surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses that we are under immediate obligations to change both our attitudes and our actions. And with the word also in Hebrews 12, 1, we, we, the the future generations of faith heroes, we are associated with those in 1139. All those who having gained approval through their faith but did not receive what was promised, he associates us here today as we listen and hear his word, the word of God, the, that, that, we, that we are a part of this. It's not just something we read about and go, well, that's really nice. I hope things work out well for them, and I pray that they work out for me. No, we are, we are grafted into this group, the also, which brings to number one, the writer says, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin. If we want to be a faith hero that that, that others look to, we need to point to Jesus, number one, but we need to lay aside every encumbrance and every sin. See, one of the problems in our Christian communities today is, to be honest, we've gotten comfortable with sin. There's never a big amen in that spot. (laughs) The things that we used to never even dream of or think of are just kind of commonplace now. 
And sometimes we might look at it and scratch our heads and go, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think that we did that. I didn't think that we were supposed to do that. Or, or maybe it's not even one that everybody's under, but it's just something that God's spoken to me. And I decide that there's nothing wrong with it. It's not forbidden. Why shouldn't I? We've gotten a little careless with sin. Lay aside every encumbrance in sin. This is a negative admonition. It's made from the concern of being disqualified from the race that God has set us upon. Being Needless encumbrances which will prematurely wear us down and slow us down, no matter how innocent they seem to be, they must all be stripped off. We must lay them all aside. It's like the runner who wears only the necessary attire for the lightest weight possible for running. Or, or a swimmer who, who puts on his little... Sometimes I'd go to my son's swim meets and I'd just be like, can't they wear more stuff? <laughs> they, they just down to just little things and, and, and then they shave their bodies to, to not have any drag or have any resistance to the water so that they can swim faster. I'm the weird dad. Put it back on. These are the encumbrances that cause us to not be able to run or finish or even win the race. And we're further admonished to not only lay aside the encumbrances that make it difficult to even qualify for the race, but also the sin that so easily entangles. And this is not like a habitual sinning that it is in the mind of the writer, but rather a tendency, a tendency or a fault which is hard to shake loose. It's just hard to, to get it off and get loose of it. And if not shaken loose, will mean ultimate defeat if we do not lay, lay it aside. So in order to run the race, we must not only lay aside every encumbrance and the tendency and fault of sin, but we must, number two, run the race with endurance. The word says, oh, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The idea is not just to let us run, but let us keep running. You see, the prize is not for the good starters, but for the good finishers. It's not how we get ready for the job. It's how we complete the job. The race is the race of life and a contest to finish with sin and with the flesh and with the devil himself. The, the good news is this, though, that all entrants, all those who sign up for this race, all those who run this race can win. We don't have to fear not winning. We can win, and the Lord Jesus Christ brings the adequate grace to finish the race if we but, number three, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith, keep our eyes fixed on him. You see, Jesus, he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. The whole faith plan and method finds in Jesus its prime author or leader. He is just the object. He is the object and inspiration for each one of us. We don't look to people. We don't look to our earthly heroes unless they point us to the author and finisher of our faith. Our winning the race would be impossible without the total redemptive action of the Son of God. It is he that perfects by rounding out and completing, supplying all parts at whatever stage perfecting is needed in our life. He perfects our regeneration, our sanctification, our spiritual maturity, and our final salvation. It's 
God that perfects. May we never forget that there's a great cloud of witnesses that surround us. They encourage us. They're watching. They encourage. They cheer us on the faith that they executed in the days of old, that it might be the faith that we execute in the day that we're running. Is there something holding you back today from running this race? Is it job uncertainty that is an encumbrance to you? Is it robbing you from making plans for the future? Are you being tempted to do something you know is wrong and finding justification in the fact that you feel trapped? Perhaps it's a a marriage or your relationship or certain kinds of friends. You just feel trapped. Are financial pressures forcing you to sacrifice your principles and pushing you to entertain unethical practices? If so, then what is needed is to turn to God and have faith that he can help any of us overcome any of these circumstances. Our text tells us that God can do anything. And we are reminded in Romans 8, 28, that all things, all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. Call on him today and wait and see what he will do. Our greatest joy is knowing that God believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And before we rush out to do whatever we think has to be done right now, we need to pause and pray and be still before God, for he is able to work in the most difficult and the most impossible circumstances of each one of our lives and bring about his miracle for us. Have faith in God today. Lay aside any encumbrance. And any sin that so easily entangles. Run your waist with endurance. Knowing that the race is not a sprint. The race is a marathon. And patience is key. And then let us all fix our eyes, fix our gaze on Jesus, for he leads the way. He has already run the race, and he came through victorious. He endured the cross, the despising shame, and has now sat down at the right hand or on the throne of God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we are today surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses. They are rooting us on. They are our heroes Jesus is our hero. I would just ask you, whose hero are you today? Stand with me, will you? Let us pray together and seek God. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you that you are with us. You haven't left us. We've had days when we doubt. There are even those that are considering not following anymore. Lord, strengthen them. Encourage them. Use good Christian folks to encourage them to continue on, pointing the way to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we may be facing various things that no one knows about today. We pray that by faith we would see the hand of God move. You would not that any should perish. You would not that any would fall away, Lord. So help us to be obedient to you, Lord, obedient to your word as you describe it to us, as you share it, as you reveal it to us in our lives, Lord. 
Help us to lay aside those things that are encumbrancing, Lord, the things that so easily entangle us and get us off track. Forgive us of those things, Lord. The things that maybe you said, that's not for you, and we decided it was for us. We just confess that to you today, Lord. Thank you for the heroes in our lives, Lord, that have continually pointed us towards Jesus. We're grateful and thankful for them. Now, Lord, help us, raise us up to do the same for others. It'd not be about us. It'd be about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we point towards you. We give you thanks. We ask your blessing on these, your people, as they go from this place. And, Lord, might we run the race well. For there's a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. We thank you for them, Lord. May we be that to someone this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful great day and week in Jesus' name.